It's been great already, just a time of worship and just been encouraged indeed by the, not only the singing and the reading, the praying, the testimony and baptism, but as we come now to hear God's word um, through Third John, it is, it's sweet to be here. And we don't want to take that for granted as we recognize that the privilege to gather to extol Christ is a privilege that not everyone has the joy of participating. You know, for the past several weeks, Pastor Micah has been teaching through the book of Luke, chapter 12, and Jesus' words of how to live in this hostile world. And our priorities should become more clear since Jesus' return is imminent. And eternity with him awaits for those who treasure Christ. More than the riches and pleasures of this world. As Micah taught on this theme of laying our treasures in heaven, I have pondered on why it is critical for the local church to be good stewards of the treasures we have been entrusted. You know, many churches around the world are tempted to lose sight of their mission to make disciples by equipping the saints for the work of ministry. Many churches and their leaders seek to enrich themselves, building personal kingdoms or fortresses, or pursue social issues of the day. The mission of the church can easily be lost as persecution and hatred for the church continues to grow. I'm reminded of God's call to the local church to remain on task till he returns. And Christ will return for his true church, and his plan is timely. Meanwhile, the local churches then and now are to remain faithful to the task of making disciples by equipping, sending, and supporting ones who proclaim the name of Christ. So open your Bible to 3 John. 3 John, that's near the end of the Bible, before Jude and Revelation. Before I read this, this short letter, I want to give you some background. 3 John, very short. John the Apostle is known as the elder, the old man. He has seen a lot uh, in his lifetime. You see, John was the personal witness of Jesus and his life for three years. John saw Jesus' death on the cross and was asked to take care of his mother. You find that in John 19, 26. John was the one who ran to see the tomb that was empty and believed that Jesus was raised from the dead. John met with Jesus several times following his resurrection. John was the one who received instructions to go and make disciples of all nations. John personally heard Jesus say, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth before ascending to heaven. That's found in Acts 1. John saw the birth of the local church. You find that in Acts chapter 2. John 
was arrested for proclaiming Jesus Christ was raised from the dead in order to stop. But he and his disciples kept pressing on. You find that in Acts 4. John has seen much. He has seen a lot over the years. By now he's learned that preaching the gospel is costly. Many of his friends, his peers, James, Peter, Apostle Paul, other disciples have been imprisoned. They've been tortured. They've been killed. John was humbled as one formerly known as the Sons of Thunder. He was an angry man. And yet now, he's the disciple whom Jesus loved. And now he writes, was most likely from Ephesus, he writes to a fellow leader of a local church in Asia. This is in modern-day Turkey. In one of the shortest letters of the New Testament. Uh, New Testament. Third John. And what's the significance of this? Just I'm going to give you a quick outline. That John acknowledges three individuals in this short letter. Three types of people within this local church. First, he addresses Gaius in chapters, I mean, uh, verse 1 through 8. John compliments Gaius because he supported fellow ministers. Then he goes on to the second character, Diotrephes, verses 9 through 11, whom John condemns because he refuses to support ministers. And then Demetrius, whom John commends to receive such ministers of the gospel. So let's read 3 John here. The elder to the beloved Gaius, whom I love in truth, beloved I pray that all may go well with you and that you may be in good health as it goes well with your soul. For I rejoice greatly when the brothers came and testified to your truth as indeed you are walking in the truth. I have no greater joy than to hear that my children are walking in the truth. Beloved, it is a faithful thing you do in all your efforts for these brothers Strangers as they are, who testify to your love before the church, you will do well to send them on, your, on their journey in a manner worthy of God. For they gone out for the sake of the name, accepting nothing from the Gentiles. Therefore, we ought to support people like these, that we may be fellow workers for the truth. I've written something to the church but Diotrephes, who likes to put himself first, does not acknowledge our authority. So if I come, I'll bring up what he is doing, talking wicked nonsense against us. And not content with that, he refuses to welcome the brothers and also stops those who want to and puts them out of the church. Beloved, do not imitate evil, but imitate good. Whoever does good is from God. Whoever does evil has not seen God. Demetrius has received a good testimony from everyone and from the truth itself. We also add our testimony, and you know that our testimony is true. I had much to write to you, but I would rather not write with pen and ink. I hope to see you soon. 
and we will talk face to face. Peace be to you. The friends greet you. Greet the friends, each by name. Father, as we ask that you would help your servant to speak with clarity and for the congregation here to receive the word with understanding. Help us individually and corporately to remain faithful in the support of fellow workers of truth. We just sang, take my life and let it be consecrated, Lord, to thee. Cause us to gain an eternal perspective, even now, as we consider what it means to be a supporter of our ministry partners. And we ask this in the name of Jesus. Amen. You know, this morning, we're going to examine just that first portion of the letter to Gaius. John's compliments of Gaius found there, verses 1 through 8. And just going to point out three important ways Foothill Bible Church can support Great Commission workers so that we may be fellow workers for the truth. So we see here that John compliments Gaius in his commitment to the truth. And you find there in verse 1 through 4, the elder to the beloved Gaius, whom I love in truth. John loves workers of truth, people who are committed to, to, to truth. He says in verse 3, he's, he hears that here Gaius testified to your truth. Others have testified. Indeed, you are walking in the truth. In verse 4, that he has no greater joy than to hear that my children are walking in the truth. You know, John recognizes that walking and talking, speaking truth of the gospel is only what matters. And at the end of the day, for all of us, that's what really matters, is speaking the truth of the gospel. That's what matters, because that's what does last forever. I just remember someone who discipled me who said, Art, there's a few things that will last forever. The word of God, his love for us, and people, and people who are saved. But I think of that, why is John committed to the truth, to preaching the truth and walking in truth? He remembers Jesus' words even in John 14, 6. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except through me. It's so critical to understand that what we have before us is the truth, God's revelation, his revealed word to us. It's the only truth, and it's the only thing that matters for all eternity. John is so focused on this matter of truth that he, he already wrote in 2 John to the ones there. He says, whom he loved in truth, in 2 John, to those who, all, who know the truth, because truth abides forever. That Jesus Christ alone has found truth and love. John is so passionate about this matter that he even warned the elect lady there in 2 John about hosting false teachers. He says, even there in the second letter, uh, Second John there in verse 9, that everyone who goes ahead and does not abide in the teaching of Christ does not have God. 
And he goes on and says that do not even receive him into your house or give him any greeting. He's talking about people who do not speak truth. For whoever greets him takes part in the wicked works. You know, you can be doing many things, but if you are not walking or preaching the truth, you are preaching a different gospel. You are practicing and hosting those who practice wickedness. That's, that should sear in your mind how passionate John is for the church then, and it should be for us today, here even at Foothill, that we would be committed to the truth. You know, John is not the only person who has this passion for truth. I think of the Apostle Paul. He, he was concerned how quickly people depart from the truth. He says there in Galatians 1 uh, that Paul says, I'm astonished that you're so quickly deserting him who called you in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel, a different truth. Not that there is another one, but there are some who trouble you and want to distort the gospel of Christ, the truth there. But even if we or an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary to the one we preach to you, let him be what? Accursed. Let him be damned. Let him go to hell. I mean, that's how vivid his language is. As we have said before, and now I say again, if anyone is preaching to you a gospel contrary to the one you receive, let him be accursed. But he goes on there in verse 11 of Galatians 1 there. For I would have you know, brothers, that the gospel was preached by me is not man's gospel. For I did not receive it from any man, nor was I taught it, but I received it through a revelation of Jesus Christ. And that's the same for the Apostle John. God revealed it to him through Jesus Christ. And so as a church, we at Foothill Bible Church are committed to truth and proclaiming truth through the preaching of the scriptures. So John compliments Gaius for, for not only the commitment to the truth, but his consistent consistency in his care for those who are workers of truth. I like the Legacy Standard Bible's version of verse 5 there. It says, Beloved, you are acting faithfully in whatever work you do for the brothers and are doing this, through, are, are doing this though they are strangers. John is complimenting Gaius in his effort to do whatever you do, whatever work you do for the brothers. It's an ongoing activity, not just a one and done. Okay, I'm going to just send you a, a, a little money and on, off on your way. No, it's an ongoing support. So how do they care? How do they care for workers of truth then? And, how do, and is it any different today? Actually, not much different. You know, this demonstration of care, that being consistent in his, the care that Gaius showed was, was shown in several ways. It was sharing his time, sharing the time by listening, reading of their stories, listening to hear the ministry workers, what they're facing, sharing, sharing your life of faith with them, praying and interceding on their behalf. That's what it means to... Um, come alongside and, and just caring for and really being consistent in your care that you take the time to listen to the workers of truth. Have them over. Ask them. Inquire about them. 
I think about not only sharing your time, but sharing your resources. You know, the, the early church then, and, and even now for us here at Foothill, just meeting their outgoing needs, finances, food, lodging, being generous and sharing your, your resources with joy. The practice of hospitality. That means, literally means, entertaining of strangers. And strangers they were. They, you, you didn't know these people. And oftentimes when we have workers coming in, we may introduce them. Many of them, who, you are new here to the church. You don't know who they are. But we want to encourage you to support and in, invite them, get to know them, um, Follow up, we have those um, each week. We introduce you, a minute, fellow minister, fellow worker of truth. You know, the first century, uh, the early Christians there were practicing hospitality because there were no safe places. There were no hotels uh, nearby. where, you, And if there were, or inns, they were places of immoral activity. So you wouldn't want to be associated there. And so the, the early believers there would open their homes and practice the hosting and caring for fellow workers of truth. Peter even tells, even during times of persecution, he says in 1 Peter 4, 9, show hospitality to one another without grumbling. This is a great opportunity to care for those who are workers of the truth. Note that this type of caring, you got to understand context. Note that this time of caring was very daring. It was, it was, it, it's one that took a lot of risk. Why? Because in the context there of Roman persecution, to be identified as a fellow worker of truth can put you in trouble with governing authorities. I remember uh, several years ago visiting one of our ministry partners in China. And as we were approaching the apartment for the gathering, we had to spread out spaced out single file and uh, one at a time in the cover of darkness in order not to gain attention and, and to keep our voices to a minimum in order to avoid much attention. Historically speaking, to be associated with Christians was costly. In many oppressive places historically and even today, to care for a preacher was a declaration of your loyalty to Christ and this was met with personal loss. So this act of faithful caring is loving because they are our brothers and sisters, even though they are strangers, unfamiliar to you. Why? Because verse 7 says, for they, for they have gone out for the sake of the name, accepting nothing from the Gentiles. You see, John is noting here to, to Gaius that those who were sent out for the cause of Christ were not dependent on unbelievers but only fellow saints. And this is critical because the ministry partner is not a solicitor of funds for themselves, but they are ones who are stepping out of faith, trusting upon the sovereign king to move in the hearts of his children to support fellow workers of truth. You know, this concept of consistent care was so foreign for unbelievers, but the early church's testimony had such an impact, such an impact, Jesus says that in John 13, 35, that by all this people will know that you are my disciples. How? If you have love for one, love for one another, even strangers there. 
I'm reminded of the Apostle Paul's commendation to the churches in Macedonia. In 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 1, he's, Paul writes, We want you to know, brothers, about the grace of God that has been given among the churches of Macedonia. For in a severe time of affliction, their abundance of joy and their extreme poverty have overflowed in a wealth of generosity on their part. For they gave according to their means, as I can testify, and beyond their means, of their own accord, begging us earnestly for the favor of taking part in the relief of the saints. And this, not as we expect, expected, but they gave themselves, first to the Lord, and then by the will of God to us. You see, the church then, they were not a very wealthy church in Macedonia. They were actually poor. But they were not deterred because of their affliction or poverty. But they were grateful for the truth of the gospel being proclaimed. That They wanted to actively participate in supporting workers of truth. Why? I'll answer that in a little bit. But, you know, historically for Foothill Bible, we... Um, we praise God that God has enabled us that we have been supporters, faithful supporters of many. But one of the ways that has been very unique that we felt especially touched by the love of the body here was when people went to visit. Um, you sent out fellow elders to visit. When, when a few of us visited our brother in China, we were the first. After, he, he's been serving there for 30, 40 years. We were the first to visit him inland, outside of, I mean, a lo local church, and it meant so much that we would even take the time to visit. But that whole idea of caring for them took another level, and just that care, I trust that, I mean, I, was just, I just learned this morning that Eddie and Tammy Blankwell are going to, to uh, Senegal in the next month or, um, to visit her brother, but a fellow worker of truth. Taking that, just that sacrificial giving of themselves to go and visit. Some of you I know in here have done that. And I just praise God that you would go visit men and women who've been sent out for the sake of the name and to just extend by saying, we care for you. It means a lot. That consistency of care is so important. But why do we do it? Well, let me go on. Um, John compliments Gaius for not only the commitment to the truth, his consi the, Gaius's consistency and his care, but he was one who co-labored. Trying to keep it, the three C's there. Verse eight there. Um, Therefore, we ought to support people like these, that we may be fellow workers for the truth. We are obligated to commit. Why? They are fellow workers, fellow workers for the truth. That is why we say, I, we got to change our language here. We, got, we call them ministry partners. I know we are so used to, I am so used to saying missionaries. But I remember um, serving in India and um, people would say, oh, are you a missionary? And I say, well, what do you mean by missionary? And, <laughs> and, and so they say, oh, you know, oh, you're here to spread President Bush's uh, uh, agenda. <laughs> you know, that was, that's how long ago we were serving. <laughs> uh, or 
or you're here to bring some goods, you know, so you're trying to force conversion because you are bringing some stuff. You rich Americans are going. And I said, if that's what a missionary is, that's your definition of a missionary? No, I'm not one of those. A fellow worker of the truth, I seek to proclaim the truth. We send out people who proclaim the truth. Historically speaking, faith, I mean, Foothill Bible Church's core value is developing disciples to reach the nations. And we're grateful. We're grateful for the past 29 years. Lord willing, we're going to celebrate 30 years of our existence. But for the past 29 years, by God's grace, Foothill Bible Church has ordained 11 men into vocational ministry. We've also sent and supported 11 laborers into the harvest. Where have they gone? They went to reach out to the Agadico peoples in Brazil. They went to equip ministers of the gospel in India. They went to educate kids in the Philippines. They went to pastor a church plant in Meridian, Idaho. They went to, see, to oversee the Wanda Ministries here in greater Los Angeles. They went to plant a church in nearby Fontana that still exists today and thriving. They went to support evangelism in Argentina. They went to translate the Bible into the Tongwat language. We saw that video last week from Promise. They went to attempt a bivocational church plant in Sandpoint, Idaho. They went out to be a church planter to French-speaking Canada. Last year, we sent our, our brother Luke as a teaching pastor in Post Falls, Idaho. We're grateful for God allowing us the privilege to participate this way, to send out, to equip, to send, and support. But we rejoice in the ministry partnerships we've had currently. We support workers in China, India, Dubai, Uganda, Indonesia, and Mexico, and even previous ones we've supported in Israel, Mali, Kenya, India, Philippines, Japan, France, Macau, Mexico, Austria, Argentina. Right now, we have a young newlywed couple, Zach and Danny Bowler, who are planning to endeavor next month, Lord willing, to um, go through a training program at Ethnos 360, that used to be New Tribes, and they are availing themselves to spend up to a year working under Promises uh, boss, Bill and Kelly Housley, and serving there, and determining to see whether God has called them for the work of ministry. But they're laying aside their career and saying, Lord, is that what you want us to do? Um, and so we're excited for them. But financially, Foothill Bible Church, by God's grace, has been able, 25%, a quarter of our financial budget, goes to the support of outreach workers and their ministry. But you may be asking the question, why? What motivates ministry partners to go out of their comfort zones, to be sent out? Why does Foothill Bible Church invest so many resources, not only financially, but our very loved ones, near and dear to us? Why do we seek to fulfill the Great Commission? And the answer is found there in verse 7. For they have gone out for the sake of the name. 
What's so significant of the name? Why do we do what we do? For the lost? Yes. So that the lost may be saved? Yes. You know, earlier John was there with Peter when Peter declared, there's salvation in no other, no one else, for there's no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. You know, throughout human history, the people of God had brought forth worship because of the name. Oh Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. All the nations you have made shall come and worship before you, O Lord, and shall glorify your name. For you are great and do wondrous things. You alone are God. For the sake of the name. The Apostle Paul writes, Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name. So that at the name of Jesus, every knee, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. You know, but proclaiming and declaring his name is costly. The name can be divisive among families and communities in this world between good and evil. Jesus warns and says, you will be hated by all for my name's sake. In Acts 5.40, Luke records, and when they had called in the apostles, they beat them and charged them not to speak in the name of Jesus and let them go. Did that deter them? No, it didn't. A few weeks ago, Kim and I hosted a, a pastor and his wife who served in, who served in South Asia. And a young college girl from that congregation came to faith, believing in the name of Jesus. She was beaten by her father and her mother and in the community to renounce the name. She has not, praise God. Another young lady recently trusted Christ and this pastor was accused of forcing her to convert to Christ. And she let her parents know, no, I'm trusting Christ alone. That was a personal decision. I have decided to follow Jesus and I'm not turning back. But my friend faces some consequences. He's already received threats. We just prayed for them. Just trust that for the sake of the name, we want to be fellow work supporters who herald the truth. Again, how do we, Foothill Bible Church, support fellow workers of truth? We want to remain committed to the truth. We want to be consistent in our care. And we want to co-labor in our support of those who are workers of truth. Last week, as we watched the video sent by Promise, we heard a minor frustration with a power generator and getting the right part. You know, remember that in the beginning there? You know, that's a small problem compared to what she has faced the past few years. For Promise, she's suffered the loss of near, 
nearby village children due to drowning, to diseases. Her translation helper gets beaten by a spouse. The false gospel of prosperity runs rampant, promising false riches and enticing believers. The rampant immorality through cell phones, of all things, just like here. Uh, the immorality of adultery, her co co-worker undergoing cancer treatment, and the list goes on. For our other ministry partners, other painful losses and crosses to bear for the sake of the name. Experiencing the loss of family and church members due to COVID, the isolation and oppression being under a totalitarian government, far worse than here. People leaving the church after shepherding the flock, Just trying to be faithful to teach and preach the word and then being, finding that these families would leave for pursuing another gospel. Marital strife due to the stresses of ministry. Parenting stresses because they're aliens in a foreign land. Loneliness of just needing like-minded friends to be around. So often the temptation to question oneself and ask, is it worth it? Is it worth all the headache, the heartache, the loss of all things, the mounting unmet expectations, the disappointments? And I'm reminded by a fellow ministry partner many years, uh, several years ahead of us, who's now with the Lord. I'm reminded that that's the wrong question to ask. It's not the question of, is it worth it? The question is, is he worthy? Is Christ worthy of giving our lives as living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is our spiritual service of worship? You know, Promise closed last week in the video by saying thank you. Thank you for holding the rope. You've heard that expression. Thank you for holding the rope. But many of you probably don't know what that means or where did that term come from. That expression was first used by the first Protestant missionary, William Carey, who left England to serve in India. Before li uh, leaving for India, William Carey told his good friend, Andrew Fuller, quote, I will go down into the pit if you will hold the rope. Meaning that Carey was willing, like the miners who go down into the un deep, unexpected unexplored minds. He was willing to go to the unreached peoples as long as supporters were willing to hold the rope. I trust that we will be remain faithful of holding the rope for our fellow ministry partners as we are committed to truth, that we would be consistent in our care, that we would co-labor and support. May God help us we want to be, remain faithful. As I think of John writing this letter, he has seen so much. And he's writing because he's concerned that we would be fellow workers of the truth in a world that does not believe in the truth of the gospel. I appreciated our brother Luke last week in exhorting that we serve a holy God. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord. Almighty. 
And what is, how does Isaiah respond? Not only is he a man of unclean lips and dwells among people of unclean lips, but when you recognize what God has done, he's even willing to say, here am I, send me. May we have that kind of spirit. If it's not sending me, then help me to be a supporter of those who have been sent. Let's close in prayer. Not to us, O oh Lord, not to us, but to your name we give glory for the sake of your steadfast love and your faithfulness. Father, we thank you that we can echo the Apostle Paul's words that we have received grace to bring about the obedience of faith for the sake of his name among all the nations. Oh, Father, help us to remain faithful in the days to come for this task. We ask in Christ's name, amen.